The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. Next on Life Today, Bible teacher and author Beth Moore describes the way God pursues you. Maybe in all likelihood, um, that man that you know is a godly man. He seems different uh, than, than everybody else. And, and you wish that you were more like him. So many of us are just convinced, I'm really not, I'm not, I'm not Christ's type. I'm not the type he would pick out. Listen, there is no such thing as not being Jesus' type. You know, she did uh, miss a, a little taping, had some corrective uh, surgery on your eyes, and then she'll, you'll miss her again because she has two eyes, and they do them <laughs> one at a time. And uh, this one is just working beautifully. They've actually put a new lens in so she can uh, see, they say, just like when she was a, a kid, and she's pretty well there. Aren't y'all glad Betty's here? You glad Betty's got your back? We always miss you. Well, today, Wednesday's in the Word, and it's Beth Moore, the one that's been with us just like for so many years, and the one who said, I want you to bring some of these other incredibly gifted women in to teach. And we've been doing that, so we just call it Wednesday's in the Word, and we want to do everything to encourage you. Now, please listen to me. You are watching today a program that is presented because people love you, because God loves you, and he is reaching out to you in love through those people who make life today possible. Betty and I love you. You say you don't know us. Well, we love you. You say, well, you might not like some things about me, and you might not like some things about us. But we believe love overlooks things and points to the hope and the help that people's hearts long for. Beth Moore is gifted to deliver that hope and that help. And then as we get it, we're able to help others. Would you welcome Beth Moore, Wednesdays in the Word. Here she is. you to see so where did we end the narrative if you're just now I'm um, coming in with us we're in Genesis 16 we've read verses 1 through 6 the big mess between Abram and Sarah and Hagar Hagar has now is the maidservant and has now conceived a child by Abram because Sarah gave Abram to Hagar for that very purpose then Sarah is beside herself angry and then of course Hagar has lost all respect for Sarah picking up right there. Remember that it says in verse 6 that Sarah dealt harshly with her, and so she, Hagar, fled from her. So she's leaving now. She's um, fleeing from her. Let's pick up at 7, and let's read to 15. The angel of the Lord found her, this is Hagar, who's fleeing, by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from, and where are you going? And she said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sarah. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. 
The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. Verse 13. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, Truly, I have seen him who looks after me. Sure enough, it tells us that she did bear Abram a son, called him Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old, verse 16 says, when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abram. Look at this wording. Notice that she is fleeing, but that the Lord comes to her. She gets this theophany of the Lord, comes and reveals himself to her. He has found her, the scripture says, and the angel of the Lord found her. Now, the Lord, if you don't know much about him, is completely all-knowing. He knows where every single one of us are at all times. So how in the world can the Lord find anyone because he never loses any? When this kind of terminology is used, it means he is going to an extra effort to seek them out. And there is only one reason why we're told when it says that he went and found so-and-so, every time that happens, it is for one purpose, so that they can find him. Anybody tracking in that with me? Hold here for just a second and go with me, case in point, to John chapter 1, the Gospel of John chapter 1. I want you to hear verses 43 through 45. It says, John 1, 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip. What did he do with Philip? Everybody tell me again. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, look at all these founds with me and you will see the point jump out on that sacred page because Jesus found Philip, Philip found Nathanael, and he said to Nathanael, we have found Jesus. Well, isn't this beautiful? Because actually, no, Jesus found you, dude. But see, what he had learned is what we will see in every single narrative where it says that God found someone. When he went and appeared through the burning bush um, in that glorious revelation on the backside of nowhere in that wilderness uh, with Moses back in Exodus chapter 3, when he found him there, what was it for? So that Moses would find him. That's the purpose. Every single time, I want you to know, Jesus found you so that you could find him. If you know him, if you know anything about him, you need to know he was the initiator. We are responding back to him. There are honestly people on this planet who think they love God more than God loves them, that they seek God more than God seeks them, that they are are more aware that he's more on their um, radar than they are on his radar. Listen, everything initiates with God. 
He is the initiator of all things faith. The only reason you ever, the only reason I ever found Jesus was because he found us first. Now turn back to Genesis 16 and I want to show you something. Notice that her name is Hagar. You see it up in 16.1, Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. You see it again down there throughout the narrative. Uh, but when the angel of the Lord says to her, Hagar, he calls her by name, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? Hagar. I want you to know, I just, I've said before on our, our programming, and I know that you've heard it from um, pastors and teachers uh, before perhaps, but I love that there is such beautiful narrative art and, and such, uh, such word plays um, in the, not, you can see it often in the English, but in the original languages in the scriptures, just absolutely beautiful. And there's one right here because Hagar is a name that means stranger, that she's a stranger. Now, I want you to please note that the angel of the Lord has sought out the stranger. This is making me think of Ephesians chapter 2 that says, You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are citizens with the saints of God, members of the household of God. Then he seeks out strangers. And I thought to myself, see, some of you think you are not God's type. I mean, you might look at people. Maybe you've got a coworker who is a Christian. She's got a lot of joy. She doesn't seem to be near as irritable um, as everybody else. She doesn't talk about as many people. If, listen, if she does do all that, that's something else to talk about. That may be something to ask her about. But maybe in all likelihood, um, that man that you know is a godly man. He seems different uh, than, than everybody else. And, and you wish that you were more like him. But you're not God's type. So many of us are just convinced, I'm really not, I'm not, I'm not Christ's type. I'm not the type he would pick out. Listen, there is no such thing as not being Jesus's type. I, listen, you don't have to just take my word for it. You go study the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I just want you to look at all the kinds of people he seeks out and finds so that they can find him. And not just the downtrodden and those that are under a whole heap of sin. We see where he's ministering to Pharisees. There were Pharisees. There are so many ways that Pharisees got a bad rap and they earned it um, in uh, a number of the gospel portions. But there were those who were of the faith that believed Across the board, you cannot be a person beyond the type that Jesus Christ is looking for. Now, I, I, I tell you, something interesting happened um, last week in our sermon on Sunday. Our pastor, who's my son-in-law, he preached a message uh, that um, was very, very uh, people-oriented, people-to-people, and how um, we show the love of Christ in our everyday walk. And he challenged us to do something. He said, um, in your, in your um, going um, out and in this week, in whatever you're doing and where you're checking out groceries and where you're getting your coffee, wherever you're interacting, make eye contact with people this week. I mean, actually notice them. Notice them. When you go into a really crowded place, and I think so often about this in the airport because in the very crowded um, restrooms, uh, there will very often be a woman in the ladies' room who is cleaning up. 
And I always think to myself, I want to stop. I'm, I'm going to try to get her to make eye contact with me so I can say, how are you doing today? How are, you are not invisible to us. You're not invisible to me. And just make eye contact so people know. We know they're alive. We recognize them. Imagine this. The angel of the Lord coming to Hagar. Now, he does something um, fascinating. He asks her two questions I do not want you to miss. Two questions here on the page. Notice this in verse 8, Genesis 16, verse 8. And he, the angel of the Lord, said, Hagar, servant of Sarah. So he calls her by name. There's no way she can think. He calls her by type as well. No way she can think. He's got me mixed up with someone else. Hagar, stranger, servant of Sarah. That's where you come from. Where have you come from and where are you going? I want you to repeat those questions after me. Where have you come from and where are you going? Now, this is very, very intriguing because God is forever asking us questions he already knows the answer to. Has anybody noticed that? It is all over the scriptures. It starts in Genesis chapter 3 when he says to Adam, where are you? Do you know that the first words recorded, if you had a red letter edition and you looked at the gospel of John, you would see that the first words out of that gorgeous gospel, first words recorded of our Lord Jesus Christ, what do you want, he says to those followers. What is it you want? What are you looking for? See, he knows to ask us questions will put us in a situation where we have to think in order to respond. That as um, several different places in the gospel say, I jotted down Matthew 15, 18, um, that what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. That the more we talk something out, you're right to think if someone just will not, just refuses over the long term to talk something out, probably they're covering something. I'm not saying sin, but emotion, feeling, something of transparency they don't want you to see because if we talk enough, our heart will be revealed. Anybody? Anybody? And so he'll often put us in a situation where he's asking us questions, putting a question on our hearts. Listen, it could even be that a doubt you've got stirring up in you right now is a question the Holy Spirit put on your heart so that you will search the answer out to that question and find him. Because that's how he works. He's constantly, constantly trying to bring us into dialogue. Because in dialogue, that is where we come into communication. Sometimes until I start really, really talking, I don't know what it is I feel. It's one reason I journal. Because sometimes I'll notice that as I'm working something out, if I'm pouring my heart out to God, and sometimes this will just happen verbally, and something will come out of my mouth when I'm trying to explain to him how, how I feel about something and why something has uh, really, really injured my heart or what's troubling me or what is confusing me. But if I'll talk it out enough, also, I'll, I'll, that's the heart. I'll get to it. I'll realize that's what was at the bottom of it. These kinds of questions. So these two questions here become very, very important, not only in our present series, but at all times in our personal journeys. And I've got these questions for you because I want you to see them with me. The first question was what? Tell it to me one more time. And the second question is what? So at all times, you see, you and I are in a now moment that is caught somewhere between 
What's going on in your life? At this exact moment, you are in a now. Everybody say now. now. Say, I'm in a right now. Right, right now, I'm not where I've been. I'm not where I'm going. I'm just like right now. And there's something so strategic that your God wants to do in your right now that pulls this whole thing together into a gorgeous narrative of his faithfulness and his grace to you. But I ask you these questions today. Where have you come from? And where are you going? Keith and I have loved every single minute that we've gotten to partner with James and Betty in the outreaches of life. We've been part of the mission feeding program, the shelter and the, the water wells. We've loved every single effort put forth by this outreach ministry. But we are particularly excited about the opportunity we have called Rescue Life. This one is specifically for children that have been taken into sex trafficking. I cannot think of anything that cries out for our help more than this. Would you partner with us as we reach out to them and literally rescue lives through Rescue Life? This one is something that calls to the innermost part of our hearts and cries out to such victimization that we've got to help. Partnering together, there is no telling what God could do. Let's do everything we can to rescue life. Thank you so much. Well, Beth, I know you watch almost every day Life Today, and I know you try to check in on the Wednesday's programs. Uh, thank you for your support of our mission outreaches. Thank you for your confidence in what God has called us to do and what he's inspired viewers to do, enabling missionaries and rescue workers to literally rescue the perishing and care for the dying. And that's what we're doing in this outreach to those who've been trafficked. We have an opportunity right now to be a part of an unbelievable miracle. And it's actually, Betty, what we're doing now to save children and girls primarily from trafficking, sexual slavery. Is, is a miracle of love poured out through a family that says, join with us, and, and we're going to build a, a real safe place. Uh, we're going to build a safe haven, uh, one of the largest perhaps in the world, and we're not going to talk about where it is. We really can't. It's not safe to do that, but I'm telling you, it's going to be awesome. And uh, I want you just to look in at, at the need we're about to meet, then I'll tell you how you can be a part of it. that children and young women are being kidnapped and held captive is intolerable. But what happens next to these innocent victims is unthinkable. I would scream and cry and say I didn't want to do that work, but the lady would beat me with a big stick. I still have the scars on my arm from her beatings. One girl that was in there with me had her throat slit. Another had her breasts cut off. After seeing all that torture, I was terrified I would get murdered too, 
so I did the work they forced me to do. Anjali's story ended well because she was rescued from her captors and she has started the healing process. But there are thousands of other victims and children at risk who are not so fortunate. They are still waiting to be rescued. I pray that before more girls die in there, we can get them out so they can have hope and a new life like me. Thank God she's been rescued. Now let me tell you what must happen. Now think, think about this a moment. The, the mission workers that go there are sent by God, right into almost like the pit of hell. And you and I have been there. And we know what it's like. We know the love that compels people to go and plant their life in the midst of that pain to bring healing. But only God can offer and his love through his people. And so the workers are there. Now, what we need in order to rescue like all those little children and others that are being taken in the early stage, we've got to be able to go in and take them out and take them to a secure place. Now, we've got several rescue centers that we are already operating, but they're not secure like the one we must build. In other words, when we take one out, we head many of them off before the predator gets them. We can see the child is vulnerable and we get them and take them to safety. But we can actually now, with your help, and these incredibly courageous workers in the Lord's army, real missionaries, we can get them out, take them to a safe haven, a rescue center, and we can give them a new future. We can't talk about where it is, but we can build it. Now, here's the miracle. God put on the hearts of a family to give $820,000 toward that. The cost is 1.23 million, nearly one and a quarter million. Over here in the States, it'd be four or five million dollars. But there, because of the labor and the work and all of the resources necessary, we can do it. So this is what it means. It means that a gift you make will be multiplied in its effect three times. You give a gift of $1,200 toward building that incredible rescue center, and it multiplies to 3,600. You give $40, it multiplies to 120 in its impact. Most people like to see what they do multiplied. Well, the love of God through this family that's able has said, we'll do this, and we're asking the viewers to complete it. Look at the prayer power that'll go into that. Father, I pray every person watching will say, I am ready to rescue those children. God, I'm ready to put your arms of love around every one of them, in Jesus' name. Right now, I'd like for you to go to lifetoday.org. Do you know most people now are going online? and using their bank card and making the gift, and it's immediately here. Or you can call the phone number you see, take that bank card, always use them like a check. The only way you should ever use them, like it's a check, and make the gift God puts on your heart, knowing it's going to be multiplied three times in its impact. I'm showing you right now some views of that rescue center. I have a drawing of it right here beside me that's in a small a picture. It's beautiful. It almost looks like a college campus but it's totally secure. And we want you to know that you can provide this safe haven. This is a miracle of God you're a part of. Would you go to lifetoday.org right now and make the gift God's leading you to make, knowing it's going to be multiplied three times? Or would you call that number? Thank you so much. And I know all of you are praying, God, meet this need. Let us rescue those precious children. Thank you for doing it. Innocent children, created to be happy, loved, and cared for. 
are being abducted and sold at the hands of violent predators, their spirit and bodies broken under horrific emotional and physical abuse. Our dream is to build a unique child rescue center in Southeast Asia, a safe haven 100% dedicated to rescuing young victims from the sex traders and helping them begin the recovery from the abuse they have suffered. This dream of a new rescue center can soon become a reality with your support, combined with a promised $820,000 matching gift. All we have to do is raise an additional $410,000 to begin construction. That means your gift today will be matched two to one, having a triple impact. Gifts of $20 will be triple to 60, $40 will be triple to 120, $80 will be triple to 240, and generous gifts of $1,200 will be tripled to $3,600 to help us rescue children from sexual slavery. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you Sarah Young's newest book, Peace in His Presence, favorite quotations from Jesus Calling. Also, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help us build the Child Rescue Center, and you may request this beautifully framed canvas print of The Forest Chapel. Please call, write, or make your gift online today. You know, if you walk around the streets of India, there's tons of people, but you'll very rarely see little girls because by the time they reach two or three, they're taken and they're trafficked into the red light district. You know, I was talking to some of the little girls before. They told me that men that should have seen me as a child were abusing me and doing terrible things to me. They told me of stories of girls that they knew in the area that had been murdered there. I was horrified when I learned that over one million children are trafficked every year. That's two children per minute. That's unacceptable. We cannot live in a world that tolerates that. It's there because we tolerate it. You know, we have an opportunity to come in and help. We have an opportunity to stand in the gap and stand for these daughters. These daughters don't have fathers that stand up for them. They don't have men and women that stand up and say, this is wrong, and we have an opportunity to do that. Please, if you can, right now, go to your phone or go to the internet and make the best donation that you can. By doing that, you will be saving lives of girls all over the world who don't stand a chance without you. I just, from the depth of my heart, and I know Betty joins with me, just thank you. And we're gonna send you this incredibly beautiful, beautiful book. Only God can make those flowers and that beautiful butterfly and all the colors. Sarah Young has written some of the most beautiful, inspirational, devotional thoughts. And God has given us such beauty that reveals his greatness and his grace. And you can just see it here as you read and you say, well, why are you sending us that? Because we love you. And we want to bless you as you bless others. The Thomas Kincaid Forest Chapel to say thank you. Thank you so much. I hope you've gone online. I hope you've called. I pray that every one of you watching will help us rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Give them the love of God. Thank you so much for your help. Thank all of you for being here.
God doesn't give you more than you can handle, he, he must think I'm really tough. <laughs> Holly Wagner helps equip us to fight the good fight and do more than just survive. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.